As we uh, uh, come to worship today, uh, if you ever want to do a study of the invitations of the Bible, uh, the Bible is full of invitations. It really is. The biggest invitation is always to return to God in faith and repentance through Christ. Uh, that invitation always stands. I'm afraid, though, that there's a day that's going to come where that invitation is no longer there. And that's when you hear the trumpets of the Lord coming back again. But can you imagine the God of the universe inviting us to come together and worship? More than that, can you, can you imagine the God of the universe inviting us to partake in his salvation through Jesus Christ? Those are all invitations, right? Isaiah uh, says at one point, well, God says it through Isaiah, I should say, Come, let us reason together. Boy, what an invitation. If only we would get that through our heads rather than arguing all the time at each other. And whether we realize it or not, we argue with God, don't we? <laughs> but the invitation is still there. Let's come and worship together. I'm going to ask uh, Melissa, and uh, we're going to come and you need to sing loud. Some of the uh, songs I, I uh, p uh, picked for today have high notes. <laughs> so if you have a voice that's gifted with a high note, sing it out. If you don't, sing it out anyhow, all right? Worthy is the Lamb. Chip? Won't you please stand, folks? Good morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. Is this on? Yeah. So good morning, Lord. It's us. We humbly come to you today in supplication for your blessings to give us strength to do your will here on earth. We do not have the right after all you have done for us. Yet here we are, weak and puny under your countenance. Please look upon us with mercy, Lord. Give us your inspiration and love so that we may share it with all we meet. Help us to meet the challenge of your sacrifice and work towards making changes to bring the earth back to you. You are worthy of our praise and we worship you. God, please help us to be who you want us to be. Amen. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the name. Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace, worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne, crown you now 
price you paid Bearing all my sin and shame And love you came And gave amazing grace Thank you for this love, Lord Thank you for the nail-pierced hands Washed me in your cleansing flow Now all I know Your forgiveness and embrace Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the throne Crown you now with many crowns You reign victorious true fashion you showed us the way by enduring the misery of your crucifixion and for bearing our sins you made it clear that your mandate is for humankind to join with you in heaven you came down died and rose from the dead and gave us hope and purpose thank you for the cross Lord thank you for your sacrifice thank you for leading us to life everlasting with you God the Father the Holy Spirit Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb in desperation. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ. My living hope Who could imagine So great a mercy What heart could fathom Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame has spoken I am forgiven the King of Kings calls 
morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me jesus yours is the victory hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope jesus christ my living hope i'm glad you are my living hope amen <laughs> that song is challenging it's a beautiful song it is all right, so Navy Boot Camp was geared towards training recruits to become a person different from who you are, when uh, who we were when we first recited the enlistment oath. One mandated challenge was that we needed to pass a physical fitness test consisting of push-ups, sit-ups, a certain amount of each in a certain amount of time. We also had to run a mile and a half in a certain amount of time. The run was tough. I was fat, go figure, and out of shape, and, and I struggled. Others struggled more than I did. We, our boot camp company, were a team, and we all encouraged and kept pace with each other. The slowest man was in front, leading the entire company. This way we could all keep pace, encourage the leader, and all pass. No one failed the PT. Have you noticed that God operates in the same manner? Have you? The weak read, lead the rest of us by God's design. Those who have fallen and clawed, clawed their way back are examples that, to us that, that God is there and he loves us. He is a merciful God and he wants, to be, he wants us to be with him. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And indeed, God knows how to lead. Great is your faithfulness, O God. 
mercy And nothing can keep us apart So remember your people Remember your children Remember your promise, O oh God Your grace is enough Your grace is enough Responsive reading, folks. Luke 18, 9 through 14. So, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Boast only about the Lord. Tell everyone you see of his greatness and love. If we stumble into performing good works, let God reward you. Do not seek reward for yourselves. Remember, it's by faith in our Lord that, and by faith alone that we are saved. Is your faith something to boast about? Only the Lord will be able to tell you that. So be humble, loving, repent, and believe. Charles Stanley, who's with the Lord now, uh, once said in one of his messages, uh, I'll never forget, it made a big impact on me, that as even as Christ followers, we're no better than our worst neighbor. And we can never forget that. I knew a salesman in uh, Rutherford. Uh, I visited him when he first moved into the area with his wife. Uh, he moved down here, and, and so we kind of reminisced and all. Very successful sales sales uh, men. He uh, sold commercial windows, you know, for businesses and all. Did it very well. Uh, good Christian man. And up on his wall was a picture of a tenement house in Patterson. And I, I, I even know the place because I'm from there. And I, and I said to him, why do you have that picture up there? He says, I never want to forget where I came from. That's the grace of God. I never want to forget where I came from. And so I'm praying that as we hear what God has to say to us today and we come before the Lord's table, that uh, we objectively examine ourselves, let the Spirit of God, the Word of God, revealing us sin that uh, needs to be confessed, repented of, turned away from. And we need to ask God for help through the Holy Spirit, through the Word, to help us not to do it again, correct? For me, that's a struggle every day. How about you? The communion table is a place for sinners because there's no perfect people here. The last one I knew ascended into heaven after he rose from the grave. And so, you know, how gracious God is to prepare. This is the Lord's table. This was uh, ordained at the Last Supper to prepare a table like this for sinners like us. That's grace. It is we who should prepare a table for him, right? And then he's going to prepare another table. That's what Psalm 23 says, right? He will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Well, that's 
It's a humbling thought. No. You know, I would be like Peter. You know, when uh, Jesus came and he washed defeated disciples to model for them what servant leadership was all about. And Peter, of course, in his arrogance says, no, I, I should be washing your feet. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, then you're missing what I'm teaching you. Christ was a servant leader. He saves us to serve. And I pray we never lose sight of that. So in our prayer time today, uh, there's a couple of people we need to pray for. Uh, BJ uh, has a, an infection. She ha- she, her voice is almost non-existent. And this poor woman has been through so much. So we need to pray for, continue to pray for BJ. Um, we need to pray for Joan. Joan is, uh, and, and remember Christine, her, her no, Michelle, her aide. Uh, her aide, unfortunately, has some health issues and uh, is unable to minister to Joan. So Joan um, can't make it right now on Sunday mornings. But even at that, you know, Joan has good days, bad days. We need to pray for Joan. We also need to pray for Pat Newell. Um, Pat is almost in a constant state of uh, uh, AFib. And um, as you all know, that could be a a dangerous situation. Uh, So we pray that she begins to feel better and uh, able to join us again. Um, And of course, you know, Gloria, hopefully gaining more strength day by day and uh, hopefully she'll be able to join us again so we have some people struggling physically but i suspect we have more people struggling spiritually now as important as the physical is we all know that when we feel lousy you know it's it's hard to pray it's hard to read the scriptures and all and i understand that but however let me suggest to you that when we are not where we ought to be, spiritually speaking, it starts to affect our health. And I think we lose that connection every once in a while. And I'm not a, lame, a name it and claim it guy. I'm not a prosperity uh, gospel guy. I'm simply saying I took a lesson from David when he tried to hide his sin with Bathsheba. He says, my bones hurt. I was wasting away. And that wasn't the most agonizing thing. The most agonizing thing was spiritually he was dying until he came clean. And so, you know, we need to lift people up. We need to lift the church up in prayer. Most churches I know, their attendance is is down. Uh, Most churches who have uh, good attendance, uh, God bless them. That's between them and God. But the majority of the churches in the United States, uh, attendance is down. In fact, there was a uh, pretty reliable poll that just came out this past week. The less than a third of uh, Americans, less than a third, believe church is important. So isn't it a wonder why churches are not full. And so, we have a lot to pray for. We'll continue to pray for this on Tuesday if you're able uh, to come out. Uh, and the other thing that's been heavy on my heart is our young people. 
uh, you know, our young people are, uh, those who are in public school, are getting indoctrinated with a lot of bad stuff. A lot of stuff that um, the Bible would neither endorse, in fact, it would condemn. And so we need to pray for our young people, not only in public schools, but in our universities also. And so, would you join me in prayer as we pray? Oh, Father, as we come to you, help us to have the same attitude that that tax collector has as he's praying. Father, we're just sinners. We cry out for mercy, and you answered that prayer through the cross of Christ. But we still need to remember, Father, that we are still sinners, saved by grace. Nothing that we did, but all of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So, Father, we come as humble sinners with petitions, with thankfulness. We thank you that you give us another day to worship you. We thank you for this place where we can come together and worship. We thank you, Father, that um, we can come and encourage one another. And, Father, that we can sing. After all, uh, the scripture says we need to encourage one another with hymns and praise songs and scripture. And the writer of Hebrews tells us in no uncertain terms, do not forsake the assembly as some have. And so, Father, we pray for the church. We pray, Father, that you would move in people's hearts, that they would come out because they love Jesus and they discovered that Jesus loves them. Not because of any fancy stuff or buildings or anything else, but simply out of love for Jesus Christ. We pray for those who have walked away. We pray that your spirit would move in their hearts to return. We pray for those who don't know the Lord, Father. Would you give us an increasing burden for the word? An increasing burden to share the gospel with the lost. To love them and point them to the grace of the cross. I pray, Father, for those who are struggling physically. We pray for uh, Joan. We pray uh, for uh, BJ. We pray for Pat. We pray for Gloria. We pray for others who are struggling spiritually. We want to pray for complete healing. And, Father, I don't want to forget Dr. K, who uh, just came out of open-heart surgery. We ask for complete recovery there. And I pray for people who are hurting emotionally and spiritually. Father, I know you can meet them at the point of their need. If, if we would only permit you to do that, Holy Spirit, keep prodding us until we yield to you and understand that our security, our salvation, our purpose are all in Christ. And so, Father, uh, we lift these things up before you. 
In the precious name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said? Amen. 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 I've kind of helped with the offering, if uh, you're going to come up. Uh, as we give, um, again, I, you know, I want to thank you all. You've been very generous. Um, but we are commanded to give to the work of the Lord. And um, as you see fit between you and the Lord, uh, I want to ask his blessing on the offering. Would you join me? Father, thank you uh, that you provide incomes and jobs and uh, just for the housing you provide for us and the clothes and the food. It all belongs to you. That's what the scripture tells us. And Father, freely and in love, we give to you just a portion of what you give to us because we know it came from you. Bless the offering. Bless the giver. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, if you wish, if you want to j turn to John chapter 7, uh, if not, it'll be up here on the uh, screens, and um, I'm going to give you a lesson in biblical Greek today, okay? So you ready to take notes? You'll have a quiz on this after the service. Uh, Frank is going to lead the uh, test time. No, I'm only kidding. What is the Greek word for church? Anybody know? Anyone? Yeah. More specifically, Ecclesiastes. Sound familiar? The book of Ecclesiastes, by the way, in the Old Testament by Solomon, depicts him as the teacher in the assembly. Now, the New Testament word's a little bit more uh, specific because at Pentecost, when the church was born, uh, e ecclesia became a big word. Ek means out, ecclesia means called. So very simply, a church is supposed to be a place of meeting for people God has called out through Jesus Christ to worship. Does that sound like an invitation? Sure is. He calls us to come together. You know, I've met people who say to me, you know, yeah, I'm a believer, I don't need church. Well, I'm sorry, your, theolo your theology is sadly lacking because you do need church. I've had people say to me, I could worship on the golf course. No, you're not. You're worshiping your score on the golf course. You know, I, I've had people say, well, I, you know, I can worship, you know, anywhere. Well, yeah, that's true. But how we respond to the invitation of God is the most important invitation. Isn't that right? 
He calls us out to come together to give him worship, praise. And listen, there's a promise with that. That as we come together, there'll be encouragement, blessing, sometimes conviction, right? We, we need to deal with sin. But the great thing is that when we're convicted of sin, God doesn't leave us there. He says, look, I died for that 2,000 years ago. Come and leave it at the cross. Repent of it. I would s strongly suggest to you that those who ignore the, the call of coming out to church are hurting themselves. Plus, they're hurting the church. They're hurting the church. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I want to look at uh, the great invitation that Jesus gives at the end of the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, this was... Uh, a festival that went on for several days, and at the end of the festival, uh, it was the habit of the priests uh, to march around the altar seven times, proclaiming, Lord, save us. Give us success. You know what the word for that is? Hosanna. Lord, save us. Give us success. And at that moment, Jesus stood up in the temple and in a loud voice, the scripture says, look at this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Oh, what an invitation. Jesus knew the majority of the people who were celebrating this feast, they were actually celebrating their self-righteousness. They thought by keeping rules and regulations that they can earn God's love and earn God's favor. And Jesus says, no, you got it all wrong. I'm offering you something greater. In fact, he's offering someone greater because he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He says, come drink from me. Put your trust in me. Wow, that didn't sit too well with the Pharisees and the, the priests and the Sadducees. And all. look at, let me bring you through this. By this, Jesus meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Where? At Pentecost. Correct? Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus was saying, look, basically, I'm going to the cross so that the helper can come. The Spirit can come and empower and embolden you to carry out the Great Commission and to love people for Christ. This was an incredible invitation. Here's Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, standing right before the people in this 
festival at the last day, and the reason why it was great is because of that proclamation that was made by the priests as they circled the altar seven times, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And Jesus says, here I am. What more do you need? I have to believe we're not that different than the Pharisees and, and the skeptics who would say, well, Lord, just give me one more sign. Lord, do, you know, do another trick, and I'll believe. The fact of the matter was, no matter what Jesus did, nothing was ever enough, was it? So there comes a point where we either accept the invitation from Jesus or we decline it. Let me ask you, if you were to receive an invitation in the mail today, is there anyone that you can think of that you would feel honored if they invited you to a feast? Is there anyone at all? Isn't it strange what extent we'll go to to enter into all the hype of this idol that Hollywood has set up? People pay hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars to see celebrities that don't even know their name, could care less about their needs, all they know is that they're going to get paid well for entertaining them. For those of you who uh, enjoy politics, to be quite honest with you, if I got an invitation from either side, it wouldn't mean anything to me. <laughs> and yet we put so much stock in that, don't we? Because I know my savior, my salvation, is not in a person. It's in the one who is fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ. And he gives the invitation that matters. You receive an invitation and you don't respond to it. My question to you is, have you responded? You sure have. The fact of the matter is whether you, if you don't respond, if you choose not to respond because you want to hide under the radar, you've declined the invitation, no matter how you look at it. It's a no. And I have to laugh sometimes when people hear the gospel or people have strayed away from Christ, from walking with Christ, and God is calling them back. He always will. And they ignore the call. They ignore the invitation or an unbeliever ignores the invitation, I hear something like this. Eh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Eh, maybe I'm going to wait. Well, we don't know if we have it tomorrow. Only by God's grace we do. Several people have been after me to write a book. I might do it, we'll see. But I debate, I'm not, I probably won't do this, but 
I debate, should I publish a book of all the excuses I've heard as a pastor? Gee, we're in church today. Yeah, you know, I, sorry. I, I had an invitation to, to go somewhere, and, you know, I, I had to go. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Would it have been better to be late for that invitation and worship God before you went? But we don't think like that, do we? We think, yo, I gotta go to that, you know. No, you can be late. (laughs) Be late. I would suggest to you that you'll get more out of coming to church than being on time for an invitation. Oh, pastor, it's my only day to sleep in. Gee, I'm sorry about that. I wonder when the apostles, well, well, when John James, I'm sorry, when John, uh, James, and, and uh, uh, Peter fell asleep in the Garden of, the, of Gethsemane, uh, Gethsemane, you know, Jesus comes out and says, hey, what's wrong with you? I invite you to one of the most crucial times in my ministry to pray for me while I pray before the Father, and you sleep. Can you picture Peter saying, but Jesus, this is our only night to sleep in. Let's talk about John the Baptist for a minute. John the Baptist, we all know, was the cousin of, of Christ. But he was the last Old Testament prophet sent, I believe, as Elijah to prepare the way for the Savior. And he gave an invitation. His invitation was come and be baptized and repent of your sin for the Savior is here. Many took him up on that invitation. I'm glad for that. But he was always very clear saying, there's one who's coming after me who's greater than I. I am not the Messiah. But he sees, next day he says, see that man coming down the, to the river? He's the one. And I'm not fit to untie his sandals. And Jesus comes up to John and says this. How's this for an invitation? John, I want you to baptize me. What does John say? Lord, it's you who should be baptizing me. He says, no, no, no. He said that the scripture may be fulfilled, John. Please baptize me. And John was obedient. Now, Jesus didn't have to get baptized because he was a sinner. He wasn't. He got baptized because he wanted to identify with us. Can you imagine if Jesus, in his prayer with, uh, in Gethsemane, after three times and God, the Father's response saying, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, and Jesus just got up and said, Lord, let's talk about this tomorrow. Sleep on it, Lord. Maybe you'll change your mind. No. He listened to the will of the Father. And the scripture says he went with joy to the cross 
because of his love for you and me. See, invitations are great things, as long as we're invited to good things. They're great things. But my heart gets broken when we decline the invitations that God gives to us. You know, the Feast of the Tabernacles was a time when the Hebrews commemorated uh, God giving them water in the desert. Remember that? Moses struck the rock. Water came out. And Jesus stood up and said, come and drink of me. And you'll know the living water. The living water, the Holy Spirit who will change you from the inside out. And you'll never thirst again. Let me go on. I want to look at the response of the crowd, right? On hearing his words, some people, some of the people, I hate that phrase, by the way, because everybody uses it, right? You know, some people are saying this. Well, who are they? No, just some people. I don't know some people, right? But here Jesus is talking about the crowd. He says, some, some of the people are saying, surely this man is a prophet. At least they acknowledge that there was something different about him, right? But then he goes on to say, others said he is the Messiah. And still others asked, how can this be the, the Messiah come from Galilee? Nothing good comes out of Galilee. And so you had the Son of God standing before this incredible crowd on the last day of the festival, standing up, giving this great invitation, and it caused arguments. It caused arguments. Some kind of got it. Yet others said, the Messiah can't come from Galilee. It's just impossible in their minds, right? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants, from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Well, they're just revealing their ignorance here because where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. From the line of David. So they're kind of mixing up their facts to fit their, their own agenda. Does that sound familiar? Right? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Doesn't this still happen today? People are divided when it comes to Jesus. Mary Lou and I had to do some errands yesterday, and we were in back of a, a pickup truck, and in a fairly large bumper sticker. Um, it was a vulgar uh, expression about the President of the United States, if I could put it that way. And I'm saying, okay, people look at that and they don't say boo. I mean, he's still our President, but the vulgarity that's there, people aren't objecting to. We'll put the name of Jesus on your bumper and see how fast you get complaints. Isn't that ironic? 
Someone wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Uh, you know why? Because it wasn't his time yet. It wasn't the perfect time for him to go to the cross yet. His father's time. How today are we still looking to get rid of Jesus? Part of our culture wants to cancel him out, don't they? There are people in leadership who want to cancel him out. May I say there are churches that want to cancel him out, and they do. Just by their very actions, they will use his name. But they're talking about a different type of Jesus. You see the division that's happening in many denominations among churches. The Methodist Church, the Southern Baptist, the Presbyterian Church, and so on and so forth. It all boils down to this. I'll make it very simple for you. Because it's the same question that Adam and Eve had to face in the garden from the serpent. Does God really mean what he says? Does he mean what he says? Well, apparently, many people don't think so. Because even in the church, we have compromised on issues the very Bible is clear about. And it's wrong. Some wanted to seize him. And now we come to the Pharisees and the priests. Finally, the temple guards went back to the uh, chief priest and the Pharisees asked them, why didn't you bring him? The temple guard was dispatched. You know why? Because the, the self-righteous religious people wanted to get this. He, they wanted to cancel this guy. He's too much trouble. Get him. Let's deal with him once for all. They'd rather commit murder and violate their the Ten Commandments and look good on the outside rather than deal with the truth that Jesus was preaching. Why didn't you bring him in, they asked. I love this response. No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. If you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs or uh, even some of the testimony that we have in Daniel, uh, you will find out that often, not always, but often, people who are sentenced to death, the way they face death for their faith is such a powerful testimony to their executors that some come to know the Lord. It's amazing. The guards had the authority to bring Jesus in for kangaroo court. And yet something stopped them. I know what that something is. It's the Holy Spirit. Because they at least had the discernment that this man, what he's speaking is life. What he's speaking is salvation. What he is speaking is from the Father. And look how those in power handle it. 
You mean he has deceived you also? Wow. Isaiah prophesied that there will come a time where we will call good evil and evil good. That's what was happening here. Here were the religious PhDs saying, without even realizing it, the Son of God has deceived you. Have any other rulers or those of the Pharisees believed in him? They asked that question and they left themselves open. You know why? <laughs> Here you go. Well, they all shouted no, but this mob uh, uh, knows nothing that, uh, of the Lord. There's a curse on them. So what they're saying is, look, there's a curse on those who believe in him. But what they didn't know at this point, and the scripture uh, points out, is simply this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked a very simple question. Does our law, law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Now, you all know Nicodemus put his trust in Christ. And he asks this fair question. He says, you're not even giving this man the hearing he deserves. You've already convicted him. That seems to be the usual practice of today, too, right? I once had an attorney visit um, from Pennsylvania. And... Um, uh, after the service, he wrote me a, a letter, and he said, you should have been an attorney. You, you argue a good case. I said, no, thank you. But, uh, I mean, it was a compliment. Um, but what he did, he had his, under, uh, this is a big firm, and he had a staff of about uh, 10 other attorneys under him. And he assigned them to Prove that Jesus was not who he said he was. And the only thing they could use was the scriptures. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. People come up to me and say, well, the Bible's not reliable. Really? Okay. Here you go. Show me. Show me. Well, no, I just know it. Okay, who revealed it to you? Well, there's all sorts of contradictions in the Bible. Okay, show me. Let's see. Well, doesn't the Bible say God helps those who help themselves? No. Not unless there's a book in here I don't know about. You know, and we, we come with all these presuppositions. And all these presuppositions are born out of our pride, out of our arrogance, out of our sinfulness. The real question here is do we believe what God says? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? Do we believe he's our only hope for forgiveness of sin, 
new purpose and new life? Do we believe that? I'm not just talking about head knowledge. There's many people, even in this day and age, who will say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus, uh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, what does that mean for you? Well, yeah, I just believe. I mean, you see him in the Bible and all, I believe Jesus. When I came across this verse in James, it shook me to my bones. Because James says this, where he's talking about faith affecting the heart, mind, and will of a person. Biblical faith. And he's presenting his argument with somebody who says, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. And he says this, you do well. Even Satan knows him. It's not about here. It's about having that communion with him here. Heart, mind, and will. So as we come around the Lord's table, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. These are rhetorical questions. Jesus, I believe, that, well, I'm going to ask you, does Jesus' invitation still stand today? Of course it does. Of course it does. And the question always is, how will we respond? Do we get caught up in meaningless arguments about Jesus, or will we go right to the truth? You know, I, you, listen, there's a lot of great Bible teachers. I quoted ja, uh, Charles Stanley. I quoted, you know, I uh, often quote, uh, oh, no, uh, not Saddleback, Rick Warren. I know Rick Warren. Uh, I, I uh, Shadow Mountain. Oh, Jeremiah, I didn't hear you. David Jeremiah, right? And, you know, these, these are great teachers and preachers. And I quote them. But let us never forget, no matter what is said from the pulpit, and no matter who's saying it, you need to go back on your own and check it here. None of us are beyond mistakes, but the Word of God is perfect. So as we prepare for the invitation to come to the table, You remember Mephibosheth? You know who Mephibosheth was? He was the son of Jonathan, David's best friend. When he was a baby, unfortunately, his nurse dropped him. And from that, he was paralyzed. When the war was over between Saul and, and, and uh, David, David asked is there anybody left in Saul's house? And one of his servants said, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. So, but king, he's crippled. David says, go get him for me. So they bring Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth thought David was going to kill him because he was from the house of Saul. But you know what David did and said? He said, I loved your, bro your father. And I promised him 
that I wouldn't let anything happen to you. And Mephibosheth says, King, I'm just, I'm a man. I can't even walk. I'm of no value. And David says, you will eat every night at the king's table. Mephibosheth knew he didn't deserve that. Yet out of grace, every night he ate at the king's table and David provided for him for the rest of his life. How much more will God do that for us through Christ? Come to the table. I'm going to ask those serving communion if they would come up, please. We're going to pass out the bread, and I'll ask you to hold it. And this is a time for reflection. In Second, I'm sorry, in First Corinthians, uh, Paul gives these commands that he received from the Lord. He says, "When you come to the table, come." In, a, in an attitude of self-examination. Let the Spirit of God, the Word of God, point out sin that, that needs to be addressed. Confess it. Repent of it. And ask God to help you in that area. He says, examine yourselves, and then you'll be ready to receive the elements. So would you do that as the elements are uh, distributed? Hold the bread, we'll t partake together. Scripture says on the night Jesus was betrayed. That floors me also. He still ministered to his disciples. And he used the bread in that Passover as an illustration of his body that would be broken for them on the cross. And Jesus says, look, people are people. We forget easily. Isn't it incredible like the Israelites, that God can do a great miracle one day and the next day we're complaining again. And Jesus says, I'm instituting this so you can do this often and you can remember the sacrifice of love on the cross of the Son of God. And so Jesus broke the bread and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Would you eat of it, please, and remember him?
We'll pass out the cup, and I'll ask that you hold it, and we'll partake together. Thank you. Scripture says that without the shedding of blood from a perfect sacrifice, there could be no atonement for sin. Well, Jesus was the perfect lamb, wasn't he? And he went to the cross and his blood was shed for our sin. When Remember, he took on your sin and my sin on the cross. And he endured the full wrath of God in our place. And then at the end of that time, he says, it is finished. Once and for all. And it will always be finished. But he said, this cup represents his new covenant. His covenant that your sins are forgiven when you come in repentance and belief. And they were forgiven because of the shedding of his blood. And the second part of that covenant is very simple. He will never leave us or forsake us. And Jesus says, when you drink of this, do this in remembrance of him. Would you drink, please? As is customary, thank you, Tom. I'm going to ask um, uh, the men if they would wait upon you for the fellowship fund offering and um, give as you feel led. And then I'll ask Melissa and Chip if they would come up. I chose this last song purposefully with the purpose that we would just meditate on God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ.
was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love Amazing grace The earth shall soon dissolve like snow The sun forbear to shine But God who called me here below Will be forever mine chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, unending love, amazing grace.
I want to thank you for responding to God's invitation. Thank you for coming today. Let me encourage you as we leave. I always pray we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand that when we go through those doors, we're going into a mission field. And may God help us to continue to point Jesus, well, continue to point people to Jesus. You know, invitations work well. Not everybody accepts. But let me ask you what's better, to give an invitation or not. Let me suggest that you give an invitation to someone this week to come out to church and to experience the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these dear people. Bless them. Bless those who are home, Father, because of physical uh, ailments. and uh, We pray for, for them. And yet, Father, as we dismiss, dismiss us in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be making disciples. That's the Great Commission. Teaching everything that the Lord has taught us and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dismiss us with your blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Well, you're good. God bless. Have a, have a great Sunday.